Good morning, afternoon, evening, or wherever you are in the world. It's Our Body, Our Business podcast with you again, where we talk all about nutrition, fitness, body image, and mental health for women. And today we have a special guest. We are very grateful to have um, her on today's podcast, and we feel it's going to be a lot of fun. So our guest today is Yusra, Yusra Ashhaq. Yeah. Ashhaq. Huh. Right. Uh, and it's ha in the end, right? It's Not ha, yeah. but it's ha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um, so Yusra is a fellow MNU graduate like we are, and I only met her in November. I've noticed you on MNU Life, and I still regret I didn't come up to you to <laughs> talk to you. I don't know why. It was a strange day altogether. But anyway, so um, Yusra is... A business owner she's a nutritionist she's a personal trainer and she's a mom of four kids and we will talk about her life today her coaching her attitude to fitness nutrition and psychology or and everything that she has to say interesting very interesting um about fitness industry and nutrition for women busy moms let's get started yeah and we're joined obviously it's me and orla hello hi orla sorry oh, hello hello <laughs> and, and hi yustra hello thank you so much for having me here oksana uh, super excited to be here and to talk all the things health and fitness and motherhood and psychology uh so yeah happy to be here fantastic so look the first question would be kind of logical you know Tell us about yourself. Hmm. Where do you live? What do you do? I know you're a business owner. Tell us a bit more. Like, who are you? Oh, that's a that's a that's a deep question. <laughs> so, as Oksana said, my name is Yusra Ishaq. I'm um I'm a health and fitness behavior change coach. I work with incredible women from all over the globe. So I'm an online coach. I help them achieve their health and fitness goals. So things like weight loss weight gain, a healthier lifestyle, and all of these things. But my approach is a bit different as it comes from the angle of behavior change, right? Mm-hmm. So I I can give them, you know, nutrition guidance, exercise support, and all of those things. But my main focus is um, around behavior change. Now, I only started... Uh, I only started this about eight years ago. Before that, mm-hmm. I was a computer programmer for almost 10 years. Woo-hoo. Yeah, uh, it, I kind of fell into that because my parents, because I was born in Tanzania, right? Mm-hmm. And my mom goes, if you're going to study abroad, then the only thing that you're allowed to do is computer science. <laughs> so, <laughs> no pressure. All right. So I was, I was either stuck in Tanzania or come abroad and do computer science. So I came abroad, right? So I did computer mm-hmm. science. I did my bachelor's in computer science and business administration. Then I did my master's in um, computing and, and internet systems. And I worked for 10 years. And then I I had kids, obviously, along the journey. And when I was pregnant with my third baby, I just got tired of the corporate world, working 12-hour shifts and, you know, mm. leave home at 6 a.m., you come home at 8 p.m. I missed so much of my my eldest's first words, first words, first steps because she went into daycare at three months old, right? 
So there was, and even when you're home, I wasn't really present because I was thinking about tomorrow's deadlines and all of these things. So when I got pregnant with my third, I just woke up one morning and told my husband I was I was done with IT. At that time, though, I was already qualified in a few nutrition certifications because it's something that I'm always passionate about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not only did I quit IT, I moved back to Africa. Um, then I was seven months pregnant with two kids. Um, my husband couldn't come with me at the time, uh, because he didn't have the residency. I still had the, I had the Tanzanian passport. So obviously I was just going home. Right. And it played out how it played that I ended up being a single mom to four kids for almost four years. So I started my business on my own. My husband, kept he kept coming back and forth because he couldn't settle there. He had work here. But all in all, so we stayed there for four years almost. That's when I started my business. I totally tried, yeah, running a business when you have, and my kids, like their age gap is a year and a half to two years. So I had like, right? Insane is an understatement of how that played out. But like I said, I wouldn't change that for the world because I didn't understand motherhood and showing up for yourself more than I understood it at that time. It came out so powerfully. Everything I was doing in terms of looking after my health and my well-being really showed up in those four years when I was a single mom, when I had four kids who depended on me, when I had a business that I had to run. Right. Um, and then we got tired of living apart. My husband and I missing out on so much. So we like, you know, we'll come back to England. And then we came back to England. And then, yeah, so it's essentially what I'm doing. So my life kind of changed 360 degrees in 2015 when I stopped IT and t- took on health and nutrition professionally and started coaching clients. Uh, it was an interesting start. So right now, yeah. So right now I obviously coach nutrition and exercise. But it's very much from uh, from the lens of behavior change. It's not how I started, though, Oksana. When I started, and I think we we initially talked about this. When I started, I was your, I was a personal trainer and a nutrition coach, and people had amazing results, like mm. losing ten or twenty kilos, right? But when they stopped working with me, they would go back to their old patterns of behaviors. And that annoyed the heck out of me because these people were getting incredible results. So why? Why do why do they go back to the patterns of behaviors that didn't help them, that didn't serve them, that would re- make them regain their weight back on? That's when I got curious around why. What is the the, the mental sort of processes that go through? Right? Why do some people find it hard to stick with this journey? And why do others find it really easy? Because you do get clients, right? Some clients just pick it up and they run with it, right? Mm-hmm. And others, it's like, man, like it's there. You got this. But they just, it's almost like there's a switch that they find it really hard to just flip. And you almost, they can almost, almost catch it and smell it, but they don't get there. Those are the people that love to coach because that is all about the mindset. So that's when I got, I got into behavior change. That's why I started my master's in psychology uh, and and all of these things, just to truly understand the human experience. Because there's enough information around the what in the health and fitness space. So what we tend to find is this big gap between 
physical you know, health people, and mental personal trainers, nutrition coaches who are amazing at helping people's physical goals, right? Mm-hmm. And they, but we don't know much about the mental sort of um, challenges that come that are needed to achieve those physical goals. Then you have mental health professionals who are amazing at helping people's mental health, but they don't know much about the physical health, right? These two are separate, but they're more intertwined than anything else. You can't separate the two because they all impact each other. And in my line of work, what I've always wanted to do is to bridge this gap, to bring the two together, because that's how you work with a person in front of you holistically. That's because the reasons why people eat the way they eat is not because they love food so much. They're always those underlying drivers. And we know those drivers, right? Sleep, stress, you know, uh, all of these challenges, beliefs about themselves, self-worth and all of those things. And when we can look at the person as a whole person, beyond how they look that's so we can really start to help them as you can see i can go on and on about this topic so <laughs> we can listen on yeah, and on. Is a really important thing because you may refer your nutrition client to a therapist, psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. 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 but it can be counterproductive first it may be not as affordable for them to have both nutritionist and therapist and also it's so much helpful when a nutritionist knows and has skills in working with psychology Hmm. Because therapists do not have nutrition background, and this can be a really big shortcoming. Uh, this can decrease the efficiency a lot of the work. Yeah. So it's amazing that we now we can see that we can bridge this gap yeah. and be both, and this will work so much better than just referring a client to yeah. the therapist. Yeah. And also the, the other issue that I found as well is, as we know, we're in this space, we know there's a lot of misinformation out there. Right. So and unless you're in this field as, a, as an as an evidence based practitioner, I, I'll give you an example. Say I'm, I'm coaching a client. I'm, I'm supporting them nu- nutritionally using the evidence that we currently don't know and stuff like that. Then they go to a, to a mental health professional and they go, you know what? You have a food X, Y, Z, which is causing your depression. Cut the f- food out. Right. So now. Yeah. So now what I'm coaching her on to have a better relationship with food and, and not to label food and all of those things. Now she's going to this therapist who's contradicting everything I'm trying to coach her on because, right? Just like, and it's a huge fight, this this thing where there's so much misinformation around the um around the impact of food towards our mental health. And we know that studies are just there. There's so much more than food that, it, that gets blamed for everything that goes wrong in our life. It's the food you eat, you know? It's like, so, so this is what I found. This is why when I work with someone, I'm like, look, I'm going to work with you, but I want to work with the whole of you, not parts of you, which means, during the duration of our coaching, I'm your best friend, literally. Because if something is stressing you out in your life, that's going to impact how you're eating, right? And unless together we work on how to manage that stress or eradicate that stress or, or find better ways to cope with that stress, you'll always revert back to food as a coping mechanism. Now, I won't be able to help her if I don't understand the, the stresses that she's going through, mm. right? So I've always wanted to work with the whole person and, and all the areas of our life of their lives because then I can truly support them holistically. Yeah. Probably sometimes people come to you expecting to be accountable to you, that there is someone who will, they will feel well accountable toward and will feel shame and guilt if they do not stick to the rules because you're there. But you are not there to make them feel guilty or make them feel shame, right? Yeah, absolutely. And whenever people say, you know, a nutrition coach, there's always these expectations, right? They come in and think, oh, I'll get a meal plan. I get an exercise plan because this is all that I need to achieve my results. And then they come into my programs. They're like, this is nothing like what I expected. Like, you know, and half the time I don't, we don't even, they don't get a meal plan. I don't do meal plans and stuff like that. It's literally your basic, eat your protein, eat your, eat your vegetables, eat your this. But the coaching happens in the implementation. How can I help them eat the vegetables, the protein, and all of these things 
while they're they're running businesses and having children and looking after children. The implementation is in the how, not the what. The people know the what. Like you go on Google and say, what healthy foods should I eat? It's there. We don't lack information. We lack implementation. People need to know the how. So a lot of the times it's just managing these underlying drivers, managing stress, sleeping better, having a, a better relationship with food. And then even better relationships with their partners and their children, right? Because they get, their mom, guilt can come into play and then they take it out on food. So what you find is, when you work on these big rocks that have nothing to do with food, nothing to do with food, food is just a coping mechanism. When you work on these big rocks and they can manage them and they can find ways to cope with them, they automatically start to lose the weight because now food is not the thing that they go to to feel better. It stops being the thing that they binge on, right? What are the, the main problems that you find that come into the way um, of people, let's say, eating healthy and stop having food as a coping mechanism. Like people come and then you see, okay, I see you're not happy in your relationships, for example, but you can't say it straight, right? I see you are under a lot of stress because of work. You can't tell them, look, you need to lose your work. Uh, you know, do you need to change your work? Like, how, how do you how do you do this yeah. when you see the problem? Yeah, so for a lot of my clients are usually business owners and their moms, a lot of them, not all of them, but the majority of them are moms. So they're holding so many identities, you know, they need to show up as moms, they need to show up as business owners, they need to show up as wives or partners and stuff like that. And we're human. We can't juggle all these balls in the air, right? And when people think about being healthy, they usually imagine changing their lives 360 degrees. Like, I can't go to a mom and tell her, stop being busy, mom, right? You have to work out five to seven days a week, an hour each day. You have to make sure you prepare your meals if you want to be healthy. It's not going to work. It's not going to work because she has responsibilities. So when people think about what healthy means, they automatically assume, oh, this is too hard. It's too big of a mountain for me to climb. So I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to stay here. So my role is to actually simplify it for them. It's like, look, I get it. Life is busy. I understand. So how can we, so instead of going, oh, I'm going to, to put this in the back burner. I'm going to put my health in the back burner. How about we find ways that you can actually merge your health with your busy Like If you were to start somewhere, where would you start? 99% of the time, they already know where they can start. But they don't feel it's enough because social media is telling them something else. Social media is going, you have to work out X days a week for at least an hour. You have to cut out your sugar and your carbohydrates. And, da, 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 right? and that seems too much for the majority of people. Number one, it's not true. Number two, it's unrealistic for anyone to stick with that. And a lot of these women have, have done those diets, Oksana. They've done them. They've lost the weight. They've regained They're exhausted from hating how they feel in their skin. All they want is a simple way to be healthy. That's all they want. So when they come to me, my role is to, to, to look at the low-hanging fruit. What is it that you can do minimally that you can stay consistent with for a long period of time? And that's where we start. And then, of course, a lot of the coaching is me asking a lot of questions. And you'll be amazed at how many people are just, are just wanting to be heard. Mm. People don't have people to listen to them. So I don't even have to ask them, you know, is your work stressful? They will tell me by just me holding space for them. Right. So how are things, how, how are your relationships? Someone will, will just break down right there and then without me even saying anything, just asking and allowing them to feel safe and secure to actually share. And then from those deep conversations, then we can start, okay, so how can we make it work for you in this way and that way? So a lot, a lot of it really comes down to what the person in front of you can stick with and really stack those habits, start really small in a way they can merge into their busy lives, but also helping them manage the busy at the same time, right? and help them rebuild that relationship with food and what it means for them. Does that answer uh, yeah. your Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have the, the example from one of your feedbacks that you posted on Instagram where the lady was saying, I may be fat, but I don't feel fat after being coached. 
and that is amazing you know that she has come up to the state where she accepts the body the way that she feels she said i feel very strong you know i find time to train and training is that third element that i wanted to add in our previous discussion where we were talking about nutrition on one side psychology on the other side but also the train the training part is very important so the person who knows three elements and who can see three elements together that's invaluable because in ideal world you should be like you should afford three at the same time right if you don't have anybody in in one because like as we all know there are nice personal trainers who have no clue about nutrition they will literally tell you stop eating carbs or sometimes they hear in the gym it's awful yeah. um then you have nutritionists that have no knowledge of training and just tell you go and die on the treadmill and you yeah. see this poor lady running for one hour on the treadmill every single day and then another point is yes psychology so you need to be allowed you need to be able to afford three which mm. is a very expensive field to go to so I, I like the way you said you know bridging the gap between those yeah. and having the training element as well added because it's so important as you said you know for the past 20 years it's you it's your identity tell us about your training um my training has changed so much over the years good are you talking about my personal training yeah, yeah so how you train like how you stay in shape you know if i'm honest um <laughs> if i get a good 20 minute workout three times a week these days i'm lucky right mm -hmm. and and this is such a good representation of what we go through as women as mothers as well so what i do with my training mind you before i, yeah, I had time i would train like three times a week an hour each time and I, I was able to build strength and muscle and all that stuff during them so now for me it's very much around maintenance like okay what can i do today to stay sane so a lot of my workers are actually broken down into five minute chunks two minute chunks so when i'm cooking i would be doing kettlebell swings when the kids are doing their homework i would be doing a push-up so a lot of my training is actually spread out over the course of the day i call them movement snacks i think that's what they're called instead okay. of well, right so it's this short uh, burst of exercises that just accumulate over the course of the day and this is this has been a game changer for my clients oksana because if we go back people assume to be healthy i need to actually set this chunk aside of half an hour every single day to work out moms may not have that time Mm. right so when it comes down to okay how can i how can i support you in your training in a way that you can actually sustain like break down your workouts so their workouts are actually broken down in a way that they can do them over the course of the day right and then yeah it's done and they're actually incredible how they strong how strong they get from that in itself oh yeah if someone can can have an hour to themselves go to the gym absolutely freaking lovely, do that but we're talking about what if they can't mm -hmm. because for a lot of people oh i can't do that so i'm gonna sit here and not do anything right so there are all these other options that you can do now in terms of my works when i hit perimenopause i started perimenopause early at the age of 38 um mm -hmm. and my recovery hasn't been great because my sleep wasn't great so i found out when i had really hard training sessions high volume kind of sessions i was really sore for the next three four days and mm -hmm. it, it was really really hard because i wasn't recovering well i wasn't eating well and all of these things so i had to change my training a lot now at the moment a lot of it is the kettlebell work Mm -hmm. bodyweight stuff and I love animal flow like I don't know Oksana I think Oksana you're in my private uh Instagram yes 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 I I'll watch your snacks yeah <laughs> movement so, snacks. I love yeah. them yeah I love animal flow uh it's this ground kind of training it's hard it's yeah it's harder than it looks I love it because it, I can do it anytime anywhere and all my training equipment is in my kitchen yeah, <laughs> under the table it's so cute yeah, it's kitchen because it's, it's where I spend most of my time I have growing children who want to eat all the time <laughs> so proximity matters so I keep it close to me so that I can just remember to pick something up and play for a couple of minutes and let go and, and that's how I do it right now and that and in the season in life that's okay for me and part of that is really being able to to go with the flow and being flexible as well which is so important mm -hmm. sometimes we can be so stuck in doing things a certain way because we think it's the only way to do it right 
But once you build flexibility, okay, this is what I'm, this is the season in life I'm, I'm going through right now. How can, how can I make it work for me? And that's how I'm making it work for me right now. Yeah, we need to adjust and we need to fit fitness into our life and not build our life around fitness, which is impossible. And if it's too daunting task to drive to the gym and stay there for an hour, three times per week, we can have dumbbells in the kitchen or kettlebell. And yes, maybe it's not as effective, but it's still so much better than not going to the gym at all. Here's the thing. Here's, I've never stepped foot in a gym. I've never trained in the gym. That's what I want to ask. Have you ever uh, trained in the gym? And In a commercial gym, no. When I started... I, I, I used to have my my own place. It's, it was like a, just a, just a suite with like kettlebells and dumbbells and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But I've never trained in a commercial gym. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and and it's never stopped me from being strong and being fit and all of those things, right? Like you can do some crazy stuff with kettlebells if you know what you're doing. <laughs> what is what is the weight of your heaviest kettlebell? <laughs> I need to get something heavier, but right now it's 24 kilos. Uh, no, it's 24. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the, no, no, that's the heaviest, but it's also, it's not really heavy. So I need something a bit heavier for me. So what I do is when I'm doing my deadlifts and stuff, I have a bar, I have an Olympic bar and stuff. So when I want to increase the weight, I would hang the kettlebells at the end of it. Like you have to get creative, right? Yeah, wow. <laughs> you have to get super creative, right? So I would hang like kettlebells at the end of it and stuff like that. But you, you know what? You make it work. And I think this is why a lot of people can relate to me because they're seeing this mom who trains in her kitchen who's homeschooling children, who's making it work regardless of how crazy busy her life is. And mm-hmm. people see that actually that's, that's it's doable. I can do this just because I'm, I'm stuck at home and I can't get to the gym because it's too far or because I have kids depending on me. I can mm-hmm. do this. And the beautiful thing about that is what is my kids watch me. Yeah. You know, so they, they watch me. I find them doing swings in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm like, be careful, but go for it. They, don't they, take 24 kilograms. <laughs> no, they, they don't pick that one. Although they have tried, but they don't pick that one up. But yeah, and it's, it's such a good example to start them off young, just to see what healthy means and what all of these things. It's just, it's just play. I call it play. I don't even call it exercise. I call it play. So just the change in language, because when you tell people you have to exercise, in their heads is this chore, this hard thing. That I need to sweat. I need to work. But here, why don't you just go play, right? It's such a simple change in language, but it means differently they perceive it differently so i call my workouts play this is yeah, amazing the the, the, the private uh, page is amazing you know <laughs> you sort of in the kitchen swinging like it's really cool um and i love the the word i think this word is gonna stuck with me the movement snacks because i guess i am what you described i have been so um it was four times a week in the gym um a lot of hours after work go and train no life then i said no it can't be like this anymore because i don't see anything else like i can't read i can't study i can't do anything what is this all for yes i am doing 150 kg hip thrust and cool and but you know the rest is passing by so reduce it to, to three still so now it's two days a week but Again, as you said, what I've taken from from this um, chat just now is the movement snack and I'm going to do it because I find excuses. As you say, I, was like, oh, I need to go and do some cardio and to do some cardio, you need to do what? You need equipment, you need big space, you need to go to the gym yeah. and you don't. And I have, you know, from COVID times, we were all buying home equipment. So it's all there, bands, all kinds of bands yeah. that you can even come up with because I couldn't go to the gym. I had to be creative. So all the kind of home rubber gym is there um and uh, thank you so much for a gentle reminder that's very helpful <laughs> yeah um, and, and here's the thing right it doesn't matter how long you've been training and this is my experience you, you guys can show yours it doesn't matter how long you've been training but i don't wake up going yeah i get to train today like i'm not motivated all the time there's always resistance there right mm-hmm. my goal is to think okay who do i how do i want my life to be 10 years down the line 20 years down the line okay that is a bigger purpose that is a bigger reason to stand up right now and take this action even though i really don't want to Right, see that sofa looks really nice and comfy. And I can just sit down, right? So part of so for me to get up and not buy into my excuses, I have to to reduce the resistance to training. And how I do that is a having my equipment in the kitchen, 
somewhere that's close to me. And B, I live in my gym gear, right? Because if I sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to put my gym clothes on, my mind is going to go, come on, Yusra, you know you don't want to do that. Come on, just, let's just sit here for a bit longer and, you know, just have your tea and relax and watch another episode of Friends. So you know what I mean? My mind is going to get me out of it. So a lot of the times it's almost like I have to just stand up and do it. Don't think about doing it. Don't plan for it. Just do it, right? Mm-hmm. And what that does is I stop negotiating with my mind because if I sit there and negotiate with it, I assure you 100% of the time my mind is going to win and I'm going to sit there and not do anything no matter how much I like it after I'm done, right? It's that standing up, that is the hardest part to actually get up and do it. Once you're in it, you go for it. So to stand up and do it, just reduce the resistance. So doing movement snack, having equipment close to me, um, you know, staying in my gym gear and stuff like that. That's how I reduce the resistance to my training. I saw you sharing um, on one of your stories, just going back to motivation and why you're all, why you're doing this, right? Because why would you bother? Yeah. Um, I think it was in your stories where um, you were sharing the comment from uh, one of the followers or whatever, where he or she were, was telling you, why do you, why do you even care? You know, if you are all covered up, like, why do you even need this? Yeah. And I was like, oh, do people really say this? Yeah. Like what kind of, like, can, can you share your thoughts on that and what you replied? And do you get any other comments of this kind? Because like, let, let's be honest, you know, you are not a standard Western PT nutritionist trainer coach. Um, right you are not and for some people it's like oh, I can't even see how she looks like how on earth will she be coaching me you know like I said I get that and 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 I get this a lot people tend to underestimate what I can do and strengthen all of that and this mm-hmm. is group then you kind of have an idea of my training right but because of how I dress up they they tend to underestimate my capacity and my ability to serve them right but here's the thing this is and a lot of this stems from social media right people showing the before and afters trainers showing exercises and it's almost like well, if I don't show this exercise how good I am again it's about how good I am not how good I am at solving people's problem but it's all about me how good I am in training and stuff like that if I can't show them how good I am then um I'm useless and here's the thing Oksana I believe that for the longest time I thought my hijab and how I dress up was a limitation to me you know, I, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to succeed. Who's going to who's going to believe me when they can't even see how I do these things? And then uh, and then my coach, my first coach, she goes, so what's stopping you from achieving? Because I wanted to a big business. I wanted to coach more women. I wanted to coach more powerful women, right? And she's like, what's stopping you? I'm like, well, I'm not like other fitness coaches out there. People can't see how I train. I cover up and all of these things. And they're like, have you, have you got any evidence to prove that you're not good enough, right? So I sat there and thought, I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well what your clients say about you? I told them what my clients say about me. Yeah, amazing. Like life changing, all these things. And she goes, okay, who who, who are the people you, you engage with, your colleagues? What do they say about you? Are, are they Muslims? I'm actually like, no. A lot of the people I engage with, a lot of my friends are not Muslims. They're, you know, they're from the Western world. They do their thing. They're amazing in the field and all of these things, right? And these are the people that I hang out with. And they're like, what do they say about you? And then I'm like, uh, yeah, they trust me. They refer clients to me. So clearly they believe in, in what I'm doing. Then she said the most powerful she goes the, the most powerful thing that she says. So then who's stopping you? And literally, I was stopping me, right? Because I was comparing myself to all those other people in social media, and because of that, I didn't feel I was good enough, right? And then she said, so what if your hijab wasn't a limitation? What if it was your superpower, mm-hmm. right? Because here you are, someone of your faith who dresses up the way you do doing your thing in a way that you do it, that's almost completely different to everybody else in the industry and you're doing it powerfully. And that was a moment when I said, heck yeah, 
you know? So other people didn't, they can make comments. Oksana, people say, yeah, you're wearing this and all that. And people, we get comments from, if it's not what you're wearing, it's how you're eating and all of this mm. thing. But the biggest person who was limiting me was me and the belief I had that this was the thing that was stopping me. And it wasn't. But people can know that I can support them through my language, through my knowledge, because ultimately it's not about what I can do for myself. Right? It's about what I can do for them. People just want to know that I can support them because it's not about me. And as long as I can show that, hey, I can support you, I can walk alongside you, I can work with you, I can take your expertise of your life and my knowledge of nutrition and fitness and psychology and merge it and create something for you. That's what people want. They don't care what I can do or what I can't do or how I'm dressed. But in the fitness industry, we are made to believe that we have to look a certain way to serve people. And that's the case. So comments like that don't bother me because mm -hmm. people who, who resonate with me and what I do and my language and my faith and all of these things, they'll come to me. So they don't bother me anymore. But they used to when I when I believed them because I mm -hmm. didn't believe them until my coach called me out on my own crap, right? <laughs> that's why we need coaches, right? Coaches need coach. We all have blind spots. We're all human. We all have a human experience, right? We all do it. And as a coach who wants to coach people powerfully, I need to be coached powerfully. Do you have a phone number? Oh, he's, he's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> share later because I have the list of things, you know, um, <laughs> that you've just noticed, right? I have the list of why not to, then do. Yeah. And, and one of them is, you know, that it has to be a certain way because the social media tell you that it has to be this way. It has to be perfect reels, perfect language, perfect makeup, perfect line, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, I can't do this. It's not me. And I screenshotted your, um, not that I can't do this, but let's say I'm enjoying doing something different than, you know, funny reels or funny whatever. And I screenshotted your stories where you were talking about this, where you were saying, I'm not going to be the way you want me to be. I'm not going to be doing everything that reels industry requires me to do because this is what I am and then I'm going to do. I, I want you to talk a bit more yeah. about this. So I had someone message me once and and they go, oh, you know what? You should do more videos on where you kind of, you know how they do it. They, again, just a disclaimer, it is okay if people want to do these things. Like each their own, right? You do you, right? But this person, they wanted me to do this, you know, like, like dance and point to things. I'm like, why the hell would I want to do that? You know, I'm not here to entertain people. I'm here to educate people, right? And I'm going to do it in a way that's authentic to me, that's authentic to my values and my religion and my spirituality, because that's what grounds me. My values and principles, they are what ground me. Not to be validated by other people. I couldn't care less how many likes I get. Like I said, I have faith. People who resonate with me, they'll come to me, right? So this is what tends to happen in this industry where this need to, be, to get a lot of likes and to be externally validated. Then we try to to change ourselves into this ideal self that we think people like, mm. right? Yeah. yeah, and then eventually we start to lose parts of ourselves now. And then before you know it, it's like, what am I even, because you're not enjoying it, by the way. You're not enjoying what you're doing. Mm. It's really fun, right? And then you just, you just burn out and it feels overwhelming. It feels too much. But if you run your business in a way that's aligned to your values, to your principles, and you just do you and you show up authentically as you, your people will find you you are that that's very powerful i'm gonna make notes after this is recorded i'm gonna make notes um you you are doing master's degree in psychology right and uh, i know you have a coach um how do you so my question would be you're obviously busy homeschooling training business clients how do you stay sane mentally mm. apart from you know maybe movement snacks and what what, what what's, the, what's the core of mental strength that you have you know how people try to find balance, Oksana? 
balancing um balancing life and balancing kids and balancing religion and balancing all of it. as women we have so many balls in there that we try to kind of balance right mm. it's no such thing as balance because life life is all over the place every single day and you just wake up and you do your best you know what i mean you don't know how tomorrow is going to play out especially if you have kids what i needed to find was something that grounds me that's the first thing what is the thing that's going to ground me every single time life gets hard and then that thing i can use it to pivot or bounce off to these all other things that i want to achieve in life and for me it's my spirituality for me it's understanding our loss so that's god right believing that he's got my back right believing that outcome is not in our control we, we we like to think if i do x i'm definitely going to achieve y but that's how life happens our outcome is not in our control right but what is in our control is the process that is in our control what is the day-to-day -day thing that i can do to achieve the possible outcome that I want. But if I don't get the outcome, then I have enough faith to believe that whatever outcome I get will be the best outcome. Does that make sense? So for me, my spirituality grounds me because even when things go wrong, I'm able to go to that place, I've got this. I can do this. And so when it comes to challenging times, Oksana, how I see how I see challenges is, is an opportunity to step up my game. I'm the person who sees a challenge and they'll run to the challenge and not run away, right? Because when, when we're faced with a challenge and some challenges are horrific, absolutely freaking not, like some challenges are hard, right? So we can stay down and we can feel bad and have the human experience of emotions and all of those things because it's hard. But ultimately, okay, I've done the crying. I've done all that. What can I do now to meet this challenge? Every challenge I've faced has been a means to step up my game to shop as a different version of myself. Now, when it comes to doing all those things, it's okay, what is the most important glass ball that I don't want to drop that is my spirituality and then from that it's like okay where does motherhood come in how do I show up powerfully in front of my for my children then how do I fit in health like I said it's not about going to the gym five days a week it's about what my priorities are mm -hmm. and then everything else will fit in those priorities so for me my priorities are my religion my children and my health and then everything else either fits into that and if it doesn't it stays out does that make sense yeah it, it makes because uh, you you remind me of uh, exactly what um, my husband tells me because mm. uh, if this comes in, because he's a Muslim, um, yeah. so it's the same. You know, when when the, he, his way is very calm and grounded, as you say, because mm. see, I will get very obsessed, anxious, and whatever. And he's, you know, mm. because there's five times a day that he gets into his quiet, secure place, and and this is where, as you say, you know, the superpower, if you want, comes up. So it, it's all very familiar. What you know. Because I observe it in real life. And here's the thing. Our, and I'm going to get a bit sort of spiritual or psychological, whatever you want to call it, right? The human, as humans, our innate nature is calmness. We don't need to create calmness. We're already born calm. But what tends to happen is then we start to overthink things, right? Yeah. We start to predict a negative future. That we, we are so good at sitting down and predicting how this negative future is going to play out before it even plays out. Right? No, this is gonna fail, and that is gonna fail, and that is gonna fail, and that is gonna fail. And what it does, it just we just become overloaded with our thoughts, and it's scary, and it seems impossible. So we just stay, we just stay in this chaotic state, right? And if you consider like a glass, one of those, what are those called? Those um, balls. those glass balls, yeah, right. If you don't shake them, the water is calm. There's nothing there. But as humans, we are constantly going, <laughs> we're constantly shaking it with our thoughts, right? Only if we learn to go back to the calm state, then everything is clearer. We can make better decision from that place. I'll give you an example, right? I'll give you an example about a new event, Oksana. So mm. I went, my timings were very specific because of the train. So I'm coming from here where I am to to um 
to laugh, right? And all of these things. It's, it's long, right? Nottingham, right? And I get to uh, St. Pancras, right? And I was late and I didn't know which train I was going to catch. Now, if I miss that train, that means my tickets are not valid, right? Like I've missed, I have to buy a whole new ticket, all new tickets and stuff. And I was panicking. I was going around St. Pancras. If you haven't been to St. Pancras, it's like so many platforms that could easily get lost there, right? And I was had my luggage 20 minutes of panicking and freaking out and not even knowing where to go. Then I said, just I stop it, calm down. I stood in the middle of wherever I was, took a few breaths and I was like, ah. I could literally just ask the guard. <laughs> All I had to do was ask the guard and he told me where to go and that was it. Right? And we do that all the time. Well, mm. Because I was panicking, I was thinking, of, oh my God, I'm going to be late and I'm going to buy more tickets and I'm going to miss this and I'm going to miss that. All these stories are playing in my head. And, the, and this, is, this is what we tend to find with clients as well, Oksana. They get anxious and when they don't know how to, to manage anxiety, guess what they're going to eat, right? They get depressed about the past and all of these things. And when they don't know how to manage that, guess what? They're not going to feel like training. They want to be in bed all day or they want to go eat. So when we find ways to actually bring them back to that calm state, then they're able to manage their thoughts and how they respond to their thoughts and all of these things. So how do, how do you bring them to the calm state? I mean, what, what, let's say... When I'm coach, so in, 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 in my practice, like, yeah, I call myself a coach, but I just... So many th things other than coaching. So there's obviously educating them on nutrition and exercise and all that stuff. There's also mentoring them, right? So th this is almost the the what areas, the what to do kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and then the coaching is really around the how to do. This is the biggest part. And when I'm in a coaching space, Oksana, I'm hardly talking. I'm just asking questions. And you'll be amazed at how many people can come up to their own solutions, to their own realizations, to their own insights. I'm just there to, I don't, I don't know what experience is. All I'm doing is asking you about it. But a lot of us don't have a habit of reflecting we live our lives we don't right we wake up we do the chores there we go to bed we don't spend time to actually slow down and think about things and reflect on things but what we do with clients then is give them that space to actually think about things probably the first time they've ever thought about things and that's when they come with their own insights actually yeah i do have a habit of overthinking about a negative future like i don't even know that that's true but i'm here freaking out about it so now they understand that the pattern of behavior now it's going to happen again it's not going to not happen. It's going to happen again. But the next time it happens, they're aware of it now. They get, I, I know you saw what you're doing. You're doing the thing that you do all the time. Yeah, we're not going to do that today. Right? So that's how it plays out. So it's very much around not saying you're not going to feel these things. No. Now you're going to, you know, you're, you're expecting to feel them, but you know what to do when it happens. You know how to talk yourself out of it. Right? You know how to buy into, you're not, you know how to not jump onto the thought train that's never ending. Because when you jump on that train, that train is going just, <laughs> it doesn't stop. But for my clients, it's very much a jump off that train, mate. It's not taking you anywhere good, right? So it's through a lot of coaching conversations of them talking and just me asking the questions. Yeah, because um, from my practice, people don't even know what is it to be 10 or 15 minutes in a calm space doing nothing, like without podcasts or without earphones or anything. Even sometimes me, you know, I walk to work and it's 30 minutes, nice, solid walk. And I physically make myself most of the mornings just to walk because I, I leave five minutes from the sea just to walk, look at the sea, listen to the birds and don't listen to anything. And it's simple as that. You know, when you ask them, like, what, what can you do to calm down? Um, oh, I can go for a walk, actually, because there's a park beside me or something where it's just me yeah. and observing the world outside as opposed to the head and thoughts and whatever. I remember when my coach asked me, because, um, again, we, we always coach on, on the things we need to be coached on, first of all, right? So my coach asked me, what have you done to slow down today? I was like, I, I I went for a walk, I listened to a podcast and it was really calm. I was really like calm, like you're listening to a podcast. I'm like, yeah, but I enjoy it. It's my calm space. He goes, yeah, no. <laughs> so for me, I tell myself, I'm not, it's only a podcast, it's only a nutrition podcast, but my brain is not slowing down, is it? 
Mm. I'm still absorbing something. So it is really hard to just sit there and not do anything because we are so good at distracting ourselves rather than sitting with ourselves. Sitting with ourselves is hard. Mm. It's It's easier to just keep busy and do stuff because then we feel more productive, right? But when you learn to just sit with yourself and stare at the wall and just acknowledging your thoughts even, and because a lot of the times we try to to change our thoughts and we can't change our thoughts. Like our thoughts are from experiences and they come up when they come up. Like you can't stop them, right? But what we're working on is the relationship with our thoughts. Am I going to buy into those? Am I going to believe them? Or am I going to, to call them up and go, nah, I don't believe you right now. That's the difference. It's not stopping our thoughts. It's changing the relationship with our thoughts. Yeah. And then learning to tolerate uncomfortable emotions as well. Yeah, yeah. And being okay with them, right? Like, yeah. especially in a, in, a, in a coaching space when, and the hardest thing about coaching, I, I I used to have a post-it note on my laptop that says, shut up, right? Because there's nothing harder in a coaching space than, than just keeping your mouth shut and hold space for your client, be quiet, don't give them advice. Let them come to their own answers. That is the hardest part. So even as a coach, it can be really uncomfortable to hold that silence because you're not used to it. You just want to speak and talk. Right? But once you're able to hold that space, it can be so powerful. Um, but you can't do that if you don't practice it on yourself as well. Just to sit, just sit in silence. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But that's where creativity happens. That's when you realize things. That's when insights happen. You know what I mean? We were in my master's degree in dispute resolution when we were practicing mediations, live mediations between ourselves. So half of the course, they were teaching us how to listen. Yeah. And every single lecture would start with listening skills and listening skills means you you have a partner they say you're a mediator here's your partner and the partner speaks for 20 minutes and you do not have to show any sign of any emotions like face emotionless face like it was extremely hard the first few things and then after you know after the exercise finished the the lecturer would ask what 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 were you thinking about um and i said well about all the answers that i need to give you know he said about this and i wanted to reply this about all the replies he said aha that's the thing stop creating replies in your head do not because our listening sometimes right and it's not only in coaching even his friends and everything the very first thing that you want to do is like okay what i'm gonna reply what should i find how should i resolve this problem and you shouldn't be resolving because just sometimes and say the power of uh, silence extremely hard we often listen to respond as opposed to listening to understand do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? we always listen to okay how am i going to respond to this person and that is the hardest thing so when you're going to a coaching call and this takes practice i'm still working on it going to a coaching call with an empty cup like no assumptions, no expectations, just listen to the person in front of you on what they're going to say and listen to understand as opposed to listening to respond. Uh, that's hard, yeah. Yeah. The last question, I think, because I'm conscious of time, but I'm very interested in all as well. We were discussing it before. I was like, you did a lot of uh, courses. You obviously have them on your Instagram. You know, you've learned a lot. You have massive experience. And we just wanted to ask, um, which courses do you find the most valuable? Like what, what was... What was what was the course that you really like? Wow, that was worth it. Or oh, I really love it. Uh, oh my goodness. Um, the, the female athlete course with Anthony Lowe, fitness wise. Oh, because I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm a prepersonal coach, right? And the courses that I I did before that, there are a lot of do's and don'ts. And do you know what I mean? There's all these stories about how a woman with a prolapse shouldn't lift this weight and how you shouldn't, you know, uh, Is it from GGS. So I, I did GGS, right? GGS is amazing, but I felt like I needed something a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. GGS was, was one of the best courses that I've done. They didn't have all of these do's and don'ts kind of thing. Right? But the previous courses they did before that had. And then I still felt stuck because the issue that I had with a lot of fitness courses is they put people in boxes. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. You need to squat with your toes forward. You need to have your knees this way and that way. And like, mm-hmm. how is that possible? We're all built differently. How I'm going to squat is totally different for someone who's 
taller than me, who has different joint angles, who have all of these things, right? So the courses with Anthony Lowe, like it was, they're literally one of the most challenging courses I've ever done. And being in his world has been incredible because it challenged everything I thought I knew about health and fitness. And I'm certified with NASM and all of these things. Like I had to take all of those things and throw them out the window. And this really came back to this idea of work with the person in front of you. Yeah, you can know anatomy and this and that, but ultimately the person in front of you is what matters the most. I'll give you an example. I have a prolapse. You know what a prolapse is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I have a it hasn't. It wasn't diagnosed as a stage one or anything. But yeah. after I gave birth to my first, yeah. my last child, I could really feel it. Every I did, it was oh, you know what I mean. And I did this course, right? A part of the course, it talked about prolapse and stuff. And the more I talked about prolapse, the more I felt it. It was insane. Like I, I felt so stuck and I hated that feeling. And then I got into Anthony's world. And then we learned about, I dug deeper into prolapse and sensitization and where the symptoms can come from. I don't feel my prolapse anymore because I learned that hey, I can do whatever I want with the prolapse. Do you know what I mean? And the freedom that opened that I got as a coach for myself and also for my clients, I stopped being in this box as this person, hey, you have a prolapse, you can't lift X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? You can't do this. In the... I have I have a third degree tear on my right knee, my right meniscus, third degree tear. I went to an osteopath and she goes, you should, this was like three years ago. You shouldn't squat. It's because of your squats that are making you, that caused you harm and da, da, da. Mate, I'm from Africa. We go to the toilet, Chinese style. Yeah. Then you suddenly tell me that these movements that I've done all my life are causing this, right? But then I, Spoke to Anthony. He took me through a few things and bam, I, my third degree is still there. I do crazy stuff. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. So what I learned from the course is stop people, stop putting people in boxes. Everything matters. The meaning, their experiences, what they want, what they want to do, their mental health, their so many things, their beliefs, their assumptions, their biases. Listen to the person in front of you and take it from there. So I would say fitness-wise, that is, and if you're working with women, even in men, but women mainly, his work is the most powerful work I've ever, and then always continue to to work with him and to learn mm -hmm. from him because it's changed how I operate as a person and as a coach. Yeah, this resonates with me so much uh, as I did uh, a course with Integra, mm -hmm. Michael Golden in London. Uh, and this sounds as his approach as well. Like, yeah, you may not squat, uh, your squat may be not as deep, but what's the reason for that? It's what, not what Nazm teaches. Yeah. Uh, one fits all. Tie yeah. to that muscles, weak that muscles. No, oh, we yeah. need to look into anatomy, individual anatomy, and uh, yeah, work with a person. With, and, and this is what makes personal training personal. The, the biopsychosocial model is so important. The, 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 mm -hmm. the, the, the postural the structural biomechanics is only looking at the, the muscles and the bones and whatever happens to the person, the psychology. And because you can see a difference between, like, our, it's insane. I had a person with, with, with diastasis, right? The days when she was tired and exhausted, you could see her diastasis. You could see the dome. The days when she wasn't, there was no doming whatsoever. So our physiology and even how we train day to day is going to be impacted. But what else is going on? Did this person get enough sleep, right? How's their mental health? What are they stressed about? Are they eating well? And all of these things. But no, we're just going, oh, you're wrong. You can't do it. Your squat is wrong. You're broken. You're incapable. And then this is why people stop because they feel broken. They feel incapable, right? Fantastic. That was um, an amazing conversation where we basically were trying, and correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, we were trying to say that it's important to have the very comprehensive view on the personality 
right? Including psychology, nutrition, training, because if we separate one, then we don't know what's going on in other domains and um, is it even valuable or what's the point? Because they're all so connected together and depend on each other. So look for coaches like us, obviously. (laughs) No no advertisement whatsoever. Um, It was lovely to talk to you. You three, it was lovely to know you... um, uh, to know you closer and you know thank you for opening up for, for sharing all your personal experience and we will um we will put your uh, instagram account mm-hmm. uh, right and if you have a website you want anything else we will put it in the notes um and uh, if anybody has any questions um join uh Ross instagram account she's very open she's very approachable she replies straight away very responsible <laughs> it was amazing and she will be happy to um, answer all your questions for now Thank you so much for listening. And this episode will also be translated into Ukrainian. And uh, all the best. Thank you so much.